Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Hello and welcome to NAM Talks. Today, let's talk the power of engagement. But before we begin, as always, I'd like to remind you that you can access this webinar in a different language by clicking the interpretation button below. If you have any questions, please send them to nerdeafunds at nerdea.com. Today, I'm really pleased to have with me Portfolio Manager Alexander Christensen and Engagement Specialist Alan Norin, who will be part of the new team of the Global Climate Engagement Strategy, which, by the way, was launched just yesterday. So welcome to you both and congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. So Alexander, maybe I can start with you. So as our viewers already know, uh, at Nordea, we have over a decade in experience in building uh, climate solutions uh, led by our global climate environment strategy launched in 2008 and now one of the largest uh, climate solutions uh, in Europe. Uh, now we have a global climate and social impact. And finally, the launch of your new global climate engagement strategy. Can you tell us how does this new strategy different from all the other existing strategies? Yeah, so the original climate strategy has been all about investing in the green leaders, but the climate engagement strategy will be about investing in the climate laggards and then engaging and pushing those companies to catch up to the leaders. So we've all seen the phenomenal success of the original climate strategy um, both in terms of outperformance and AUM growth. And you just mentioned that it's the biggest in its peer group. And actually that, that um, growth in AUM and that, that performance has been true of most parts of the market that are considered green and good in ESG terms. But actually the flip side of that is a massive flight of capital out of those sectors that aren't perceived as good in ESG terms. Um, and this is especially true in terms of climate and the energy transition necessary for the world to reach its net zero targets. And we think there's a real opportunity for active managers willing to, to look for those businesses that have been discarded simply by being guilty by association. Because we think there are plenty of businesses out there that despite being associated with um, heavier emitting industries or and themselves being heavy emitters or perceived as climate laggards more generally are actually relevant in a green economy of the future or could be critical in enabling the energy transition. And if we can engage with the management teams to set the right strategy and communicate this effectively, we think this will be rewarded by the market. And so not only will engaging de-risk these stocks and remove a negative overhang on these companies, but actually by engaging with some of these heavier emitting industries, we'll be pushing them to be greener and more relevant in the low carbon future and actually contributing to real world emissions reductions. So not just tilting your portfolio into sectors that are less heavy emitting, but going after the heavy emitters who are making the most contribution to the world's emissions today and making an impact there. So we're really excited. Great. And actually, I wanted to ask you uh, another thing. I, I think it's really uh, it's a really important question that our viewers would like to know. Uh, being a little bit more concrete now, which companies and sectors are you looking at? And how do you build your investment universe for what I would call this new and very exciting climate frontier? Yeah, it's a great question. So 
Um, because engagement is at the heart of the strategy, we've decided to use the SASB materiality map to build our investment universe. So SASB stands for the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. And this organization has mapped all sectors to their defined sustainability issues and shown the materiality of those issues within each sector. So we've focused in on the environmental issues and seen which sectors are most materially impacted by these issues, because by default, those will be the ones that have the most climate related issues to engage on. Um, and actually this generates a universe that's very broad. So it doesn't just include those obvious heavy emitting industries like industrials and materials and utilities. It even expands to financials and consumer. And we're really pleased with the breadth of that universe as a starting point. Could you share a bit the, the style to the strategy and how it differs from uh, traditional thematic strategies, uh, which are normally more growth tilted? So remember that we're hunting in those industries that are unpopular and have been discarded by the wider market because they're perceived as being at risk in this transition to a low carbon economy. And as such, this strategy lends itself to a more contrarian style of investing. So um, the model portfolio we've been running year to date has a value tilt and tends to outperform when value is winning over growth in the general market. Now let's turn our attention to you, Ellen. You've been waiting so patiently uh, now that we've been asking a couple of questions already to Alexander. My first question to you is, so engagement, it's in the name of the, of the strategy. Why is it so important? Great question. So as Alexandra already touched upon, engagement is really at the heart of this strategy. So we have an engagement opportunity lens on when we do the bottom-up analysis and when we do the stock selection process. So the strategy is about finding these names that are on a trajectory to really contribute to the transition to net zero and those names that will also be relevant in the future, such as steel and cement, for instance, that will have crucial elements to play in the build-out of renewable infrastructure. And it's okay if you want to have green darlings in your portfolio, it will look good from an investment point of view. But if you want to contribute to real world emission reduction targets, these are the type of sectors that you should invest in. And these are the type of sectors that you should push. And that is what this whole strategy is all about. Well, in fact, maybe Alexander, you might want to jump in. So we know we've been uh, you know, investing in these green darlings and uh, for example, in the global climate environment strategy successfully for many years. And of course, there continues to be opportunities there. But I guess in this new strategy for you, you guys are going for that new frontier, right? Exactly. We're going for those names that have been overlooked and ignored to date because they've been painted with this broad brush of being negative in ESG terms. Um, but we think that there's lots of overlooked opportunities there. And from a stock picker's perspective, that's really exciting. Thanks, Alexandra. Back to you, Ellen, and, and perhaps now that you've explained to us of why engagement is so important in, in, the, uh, in the process, can you dig a little deeper and take us through that process, please? Absolutely. Yeah, so the engagement process has been structured in order to really create a robust framework for how we perform our engagements and also to create a level of transparency to clients. So in essence, it can be divided into four different stages. First, we have the pre-investment stage. This stage is about assessing how far the company is on its sustainability journey 
and what the engagement expectations need to be to have the company get on track or stay on track to net zero. We also have this feasibility assessment in this pre-investment phase. So here we look at stuff like, okay, how accessible is the company to engagement? Do we get to speak to the right people at the right frequency? Has the company historically had a tendency to follow through on what has been promised to the shareholders and to the wider market? And this is then feeded into the feasibility assessment. We then move on to the engagement initiation phase. In this phase, we set the KPIs that we will use to focus the engagement and keep track of any progress. So we have decided on five KPIs that are generic across industries, and they range from climate reporting to setting long, medium and short term targets to CapEx allocation. So really devoting a sufficient level of resources to execute on the long term strategy and the targets set out. Then we have the monitoring stage. This stage is about executing on the engagement and keeping track of how the company is moving to the KPIs that we have set out. And this will then be feeded back to clients on a regular basis. And then finally, we have the escalation stage. And this is a stage that we hopefully will not end up with with any of the holdings, but it's a toolbox that we will use if the company is not progressing or not progressing at pace. So here we have things as voting against relevant board directors, voting against remuneration packages, collaborating with other investors to increase the ownership share in the companies and consequently the pressure on the companies to deliver. And then of course, we ultimately have the possibility to divest. Thanks, Alan. It seems like we obviously have a really robust engagement process there. And I think we all look forward to seeing it in action in the coming weeks, months, uh, and years. I wanted to follow up with uh, another question. Uh, obviously, uh, engagement, as we've already discussed, is uh, really the key component of the strategy. I assume we aim to engage with all the companies in the portfolio. Is that even possible? And how do you distinguish in your engagement efforts on the individual companies? Could you uh, share a little bit more about that with us? Great question. So it's true that we will engage with all companies in the portfolio. So we will devote a lot of resources to execute on the strategy. What is important to remember here is that we are dealing with quite of a concentrated portfolio since engagement is the center of the strategy. So we're aiming for about 30 to 40 names in the portfolio. But still, we need to be smart with how we devote the resources. So what we have done is that we have created three different buckets, depending on how far the companies have come on their sustainability journey, as well as the likelihood of change that our team think that we can create with uh, the companies. So, and this in turn dictates the level of resources that we'll spend on each company. So the first bucket is called the initiate bucket. And here we have companies that have a long way to go still to reach net zero, but where we have realized that the expectations that we have set out actually corresponds with engagements that are already ongoing. For instance, with via Climate Action 100 or via NAM-wide engagements. So, for those companies in those 
bucket, we will leverage on the engagements that are already ongoing. But we will, of course, monitor how the engagements are progressing. And if we think that the engagement isn't progressing at the pace needed, we will step in. Next, we have the accelerate bucket. And this contains companies that in relative terms have come the farthest way on their sustainability journey. So here it's about really monitoring that the companies stay on track. So here we will include climate related questions and questions around how the companies are moving towards the expectations in our quarterly uh, interactions with management. And then finally, we have the intensify bucket. And this is what the real magic happens. So this is the flagship bucket of engagements. So we're aiming for five to 10 names where we will engage very intensively. And these companies have, similar to the initiate bucket, have a long way to go, but where we think that the level of change that we can create is very extensive. So here, is where our main focus will be at. That's really interesting, Alan. Uh, could you maybe share with us, just so we can be even more concrete with our viewers, uh, a recent engagement example that you did? I think what we can mention in this context, since the strategy hasn't been launched yet, we can't uh, come up with own engagements uh, examples for this strategy. In a year, we can. Uh, but for the time being, we need to go into the NAM library. And I think one of the engagements that are is very interesting is the engagements that we have been running with some of the biggest coal players in Asia. Uh, and this engagement is called the Vung Ang Tu Coal Fire Power Engagements. And uh, what we have done here is that back in 2020, we decided to initiate engagement with some of the biggest players in the expansion of coal. And we realized that we had some exposure via our, via our investments, but that exposure was quite limited. So we decided to invite clients and other investors to form a collaborative group that NAM took lead in. And we were able to formalize a group of about 25 investors representing 4.8 trillion euros in assets under management to engage these companies. And we've had some really nice progress to date. So I think this is a good example of this escalation toolbox that we spoke about earlier, where we can leverage on collaborative engagements such as Climate Action 100. But if we think that it doesn't correspond to the expectations that we want to put forward to the companies, we can also decide to formalize something on our own in a similar fashion as we did back in 2020. And I also want to take the time to remind our viewers that our Responsible Investments annual report has just come out. And there you can read all the great work that Ellen and her team uh, does uh, throughout the year. And there you'll have some interesting uh, ESG uh, cases uh, from the year uh, 2021. And maybe just to conclude uh, our session today, and this question is for both of you, uh, Alexander and Ellen, uh, to summarize, why do you think clients should be uh, interested uh, in, uh, in this type of strategy? Um, I have a very, I have my own very clear uh, reasons why, but I would love to get those from you. Yeah, so we're trying to do something a bit different with this strategy. Rather than invest in these green darlings that Ellen mentioned before, we are trying to generate alpha by de-risking the climate laggards through engagement. So if you want to diversify your portfolio of assets into something that's a bit more value orientated, 
then this is the strategy for you. And Ellen, obviously knowing that your team is crucial and important for the engagement part, what could you add uh, to Alexandra's words? I think what I can perhaps add to this is that what I find so attractive with the strategy is the possibility to, via your investments, contribute to real-world emission reductions. Because we are going after the names that are relevant in the transitioning to net zero and that will be also relevant in the future in a green economy. And these names and these sectors are really crucial inputs to do the transitioning. So if you want to contribute to this transitioning via your investments, this is the strategy for you. Great. Well, thank you both to Alexander and Ellen today uh, for your time for a really insightful and, and great NAM talks. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. So now let's take a look at today's key takeaways. As Alexander and Alan mentioned before, in this strategy, we're looking at companies that have been undervalued by the market, often known as climate laggards, but who are still relevant, even critical in a green economy. We want to ensure that these companies get the sufficient push in the right direction or the nudge to reposition their transition strategy and harness their full potential vis-a-vis -vis the power of engagement. And finally, of course, we want to make a tangible difference by helping these companies curb real-world emissions. So thank you again for joining us today. As always, if you'd like more information, you can get that at nordeaassetmanagement.com. And until next time, thank you and have a nice day.